I've got to, I've got to get a sticker on the back of my car. I'd rather be in the house of God. <laughs> you know, I'd rather be sailing. No, I'd rather be in the house of God. <laughs> I love it. I just love the presence of God. I'm a bit of a junkie, I think. I love it. You too? You too? Jazzy, what have you done, darling? You sprained your ankle. Oh, this is where I feel like doing a, come on, get up. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Father, bless that ankle. Together we agree as a church, that ankle's going to be healed. We speak healing, wholeness, recovery right now. God, touch her in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God is good. And Father, we do pray together for Pastor Nick. We declare breakthrough. We come against this ailment that she's suffering right now, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. We don't need to know. But we just say, you have the right to healing because Jesus died on the cross to bring us healing, to bring us salvation, to bring us wholeness, to bring us heritage, to bring us breakthrough, to bring us freedom, to bring us prosperity, to bring us a whole lot of blessing. And so right now, Nick, take your blessing in Jesus' name. Embrace it. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's so good to see you all. Even John. It's good to see you, John. And B, aren't you beautiful people? I love you. So, so, so do Hey, why don't we just say hello to someone? Turn around. Say hello to someone. Bless God. George's back's not good. Okay, Father God, you're the one who created every single bone, every single nerve in his body. You know that his back is not right, but right now in the name of Jesus, every bone, every nerve, everything will be perfectly, work perfectly, it will be aligned. And there is no more pain in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Anyone else? Need prayer? Why not? We can stop right now and do do some prayer for healing. Anybody need some prayer for anything? You too? Only only one ticket per family. Sorry. <laughs> okay, you got the Willy Wonka one. <laughs> the golden ticket. So what do you need, darling? Father God, Hazel has difficulty walking and it's impeding the function of her normal day-to-day duties. And Father, we just come against the pain, the, the symptoms, the cause, whatever is causing her to suffer in this matter. We just pray for a total breakthrough right now. Be healed, I say, in Jesus' name. 
Spirit of God, come upon her with your healing power. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Receive that in Jesus' name. Jesus' precious name, he spoke to me and he's saying, reach out, touch this woman, be my hands, and I claim healing right now. In Jesus' precious name, a holy outpouring over this woman of your precious spirit, so heavy, Lord God, and that she will have complete and utter, not just instant healing, but total ongoing healing, that it may never return. We command it never to return. In the name of Jesus, we command, do not return again and be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, go on. You can give the Lord a hand. How good is that? Amen. You know what? Uh, we've just uh, come through Christmas. Now we're obviously, it's a couple of weeks ago now, but one of the things that is uh, one of the hallmarks of Christmas is the giving and receiving of gifts. And, uh, you know, there's certain aspects of that that can be quite, you know, um, worldly, I guess. But there's certain aspects of it that can be quite godly. Um, because Jesus gave the greatest gift. And the posture that we have when we're giving is really important to God. Do you know that? Um even Jesus was watching and he, he saw a, a little lady giving two mites and he said, this lady has more faith than all of these other people who are giving out of their prosperity, out of their riches. She's giving out of her of poverty. She's giving out of, but still she's giving in the, in the even, in, even though she was in a situation she couldn't afford to. But she had a, a generous heart. Um, and you know what? Generosity can be a, a, a lifestyle. Um, you can be a generous person, not just in giving in church, but as a, just as a general rule of thumb, you can posture yourself to think, I'm not going to be one of these people who, hang on, we're not splitting the bill because I didn't have two drinks, I only had one. You know, like... <laughs> I'm only paying for what I, I mean, I'm probably stepping on some toes here because there's some OCD people who are like that. <laughs> but you know what? General, like there's times I'll, I'll pay for the whole bill. I'll, pay, I'll just pay for it. Because generosity is like, it, it just flows in me. And the reason it flows in me, I'll tell you honestly why, is because I've tested God with his generosity. I've had situations well, one in particular, and I shared this with a men's group last year. And I've shared it with our church. But I, I was just learning to hear, hear the voice of God. And I was praying, God, please help me to hear your voice. I really want to know what it means to hear that sweet, still, small voice. You know, like, is that God? Is that me? Or is that, what is it? And so I began on this journey. 
asking God, show me your voice, show me your voice, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. And then one day, I felt God, and it only comes in feelings with me, but they're, they're, they're very, um, they, they convict me, these feelings. They, they exercise me. And I felt God say to me, I want you to take out the money that you've got in the bank that you're saving to buy a car, and I want you to give it to this particular person. And I'm thinking, that can't be God. <laughs> he wouldn't do that to me. <laughs> He wants me to have a car. <laughs> anyway, um, you know what? I didn't really go down that track. The track I did go down was, what if I do that and this person says, well, I don't need this money? That was my greatest fear. Isn't that funny? The fear of being embarrassed was more, more was greater than the fear of, you know, like anything else. So I said to, I said to God, look, I'll do it. I'll make a deal. I'll take the money out of the bank and you help me with the next step. So I went to the bank back in the days when they had bank books. <laughs> I took my bank book to the bank and I said, I want to withdraw my money. So I've got a little cash in my bank and I put it in my back pocket. And as I'm walking out the door of the bank, this person's walking in the door of the bank. And you know what? I said to this person, how you going? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to sort of jump to conclusions too quickly. I said, oh, how are you going? And this person said, oh, not really well. He said, my wife's purse has just been stolen with all our money in it. And he said, I don't know where our next meal is coming from. Can you believe that? And that's God helping me a big time. And I said, as if I'm like, I'm the biggest, bravest person in the world. I know, I know where your next meal's coming from. <laughs> but God set me up. And so when I did that, and the guy in the middle of Katoomba Street, because it was a at the end, he was a Bible college student at Commonwealth Bible College at the time, he broke down and he's hugging me in the middle of the street. And um, he's weeping. He's weeping and I'm going, I just felt God tell me to do this and I'm just you know like it's no big deal it's like but you know what he was really really blessed like amazingly blessed but I was blessed more because that was the start of a journey of absolute trust I am generous because I have a generous God and God has proven himself to be generous to me and if he can bless that guy who was a to me he was a bit of a dope you know like a, if he can bless him he can bless me look after me and he, he actually God allowed me to have a glimpse of that so that I could see what God can do in the in the arena of finances and I've got to tell you church the posture that we have to, in giving you can posture your whole life to be a generous person because God loves a generous and a cheerful giver so we can either be reluctant or obligatory even like I'm doing this because I'm tithing even that lacks something you know what I'm saying I'm, I'm a tither I'll just I tithe we've got to be generously graciously cheerfully into it and you know what we've got to attach our faith to it we've got to attach our faith to it so that when we know when we're sowing this seed like I didn't realize at the time 
But I'm sowing my seed into a Bible college student who's going to Bible college who could become, I don't know, I've never followed, followed him up, but he could become amazing and, and, and seen heaps of people come to the Lord. I don't know. But I'm investing in spiritual things. And we all know that spiritual things are eternal. Earthly things are temporal. So when it comes to giving, we're going to give in a moment. I just want you to take a little bit of time and say, God, show me, show me your generosity. Let me trust in you and let me have an experience or experiences that I can know that I know that I know and you have. I know there's people here who've got experiences and testimonies about the grace of God when it comes to your finances. You know, he's rescued you time in and time out. I mean, Lynn and I have been in a situation where our rent got stolen and someone came around and gave us some money the same before we needed to pay the rent. So God's good. And I've, I've never not tithed from that day on. Never, ever, ever. Tithing's just a part of my life. And that's just, that's just the, the baseline. You know, that's the first rung on the ladder. We can go higher than that because the Bible talks about tithing and offerings, tithes and offerings. So it's a journey. You know what? I learned my journey when I was young, 18. That's young. Now I'm 60 young, 60-something young, still young. But if you learn these, if we can learn these things while we're young, they actually stay with us throughout our life and they actually become a part of the journey so that we know, like, we can just, you know that perfect peace that passes understanding? That's the peace that's when you're in the middle of something going down, it's like, this is just crazy haven't got money or I can't cope that peace can come in and you know why because it comes from the God who you can trust trust the story trust the story Amen we're going to take up our tithes and offerings and so uh, let me pray Father God as we contemplate giving this morning God I pray that you would help us to just posture ourselves in such a way that we can be not only givers of blessing but recipients of blessing posture us so that Father we can be cheerful help us God to be generous in our lifestyle not just our giving not just when it counts or when we think it counts even when we when it doesn't count or no one's watching or you know it, when, when we feel like you're prompting us to do something help us to be generous in all of that Father so that we are not just givers we are generous givers and we are known as generous people Father In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I'm hoping that when I do pass from this earth, that generosity generosity will be one of those things that I'll be remembered by. I hope so. If not, I'll have to start working on it right now. (laughs) I really do hope so. My kids say I'm a generous dad, so that's good. But they also know how to batter their eyelids. I can't afford this, Dad. (laughs) Let me do it. I'm a sucker for battering eyelids. I really am. <laughs> uh, you got to have eyelids to do that, though, Cheryl. <laughs> Where's, you need some falsies. <laughs> oh, dear. Can I trouble someone for the pulpit? Is that a... Hey. Oh, not, not, not... It's all right. I'll do it. Oh, now I feel bad. Amen. Pastor Nick is uh, 
has uh, passed the baton on to me. So this morning I'm going to be sharing the, the Word of God and uh, see how I go. I have pulled out, I actually had a message on faith. I lost a lot of all my sermons um, a couple of years ago. But I've sort of since built up some more. I look back on my sermons, I think, gee, you wrote some good sermons. But you know what? Every every sermon I preach from from the from the past, every new sermon I preach is the best sermon I've ever preached. So today you're going to hear the best sermon I've ever preached. Um, today, well, we're on a series of faith, and uh, Nick has been sort of talking about different aspects of faith. Just, we, we sort of talked about how faith is a substance of things hoped for, things unseen. And and that's one of the things that's really important about faith. Faith is something. It's not just blind hope or false hope. It's actually something. There's some substance to it. Um, You don't have to describe it. You don't have to be able to articulate what it is, but you just have to know it. And like Nick says, know it in your knower. Faith is something. It's a substance that you have inside your spirit that means that you have a, a... belief, a trust, you have a you know a godly hope for something, it is the substance of things that we hope for. It is the sealer, it's the amen in that thing that we, I hope for this, sealer, amen, faith is, is there to sort of carry it in my spirit. I want to talk this morning about faith too, um, because you know, you can't get born again by works. You cannot. You cannot work your way into heaven. You can't. You can't be in. Thank you. I can unless you want to stay there. If you want to stay there, I love it. So you stay there, but just don't upstage me with any anything. Keep it simple. No glissandos or. No cheeky grins solemnness um, yes um, you can't work you can't you don't have to be intelligent either like imagine if faith was only by those who understood if you only got born again because you understood things then it's, it's sort of like discriminates doesn't it faith does not dis- salvation does not discriminate for God so loved the world not just, well, for God so loved the smart people. Well, God so loved the IQ of, you know, 150. No, God loves everyone. And he wants everyone to have an opportunity. Every single person. You know, even a child can have faith. Children could went to Jesus. And Jesus loved them, commend them for them for their simple faith. He said, we need to have faith like little children. We just, you can do it. Like my, son, my grandson, Poppy, can fix anything. So Poppy has to fix everything, everything. But that's that's the beauty of salvation. Salvation is a gift. It is a gift from God. For by f- faith is by grace, not of works, lest any man should. So you can't boast about your salvation. You can boast in it, but you can't boast about it. You can't boast that, you know, I, I did it. I got myself saved. So that's the work of the cross. There's two, I mean, there's lots. There's, there's a lot of aspects of the cross, but there's two powerful major, 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 major works of the cross. 
There's the coming to the cross and there's going from the cross. When we come to the cross, we come to the crucifixion. The crucifixion is all about grace. For by grace are you saved. But I want you to understand something. Grace is not just, a, you know, grace is the gift, free gift from God that we don't deserve. It's not just that. Grace is empowerment. When Paul prayed for the three, he prayed three times for the thorn in the flesh to be removed, what did God say to him in the end? It didn't remove it, but what did he say? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, you're going to carry that thing and you're going to get through and you're going to succeed by the empowerment of my grace. So my grace is sufficient for you. So grace has always been an aspect of empowerment. Grace empowers you to get saved, to be born again. So you're empowered by the grace of God. It's not, it's not quite as wishy-washy as what we think it was like the Christians make it out to be. It's actually empowerment. It's dynamic. So when we come to the cross, we come to the grace of God, the crucifixion. When we go from the cross, we, we, we come from the aspect, or we go from the aspect of the resurrection. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he said the same power, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. So that's also a form of empowerment. But the empowerment of grace is the empowerment for salvation. The empowerment of the resurrection is the empowerment to fulfill the call of God and to expand the kingdom of God. It's the empowerment to be a great disciple in the kingdom of God. So both of them are empowerment in, in a special way. One's an empowerment to receive, to become a, you know, a Christian and save and have eternal life. The other is to expand the kingdom of God on this earth. And you know what? You can't have one without the other. You cannot get born again by the empowerment of, let's call it works. Because resurrection is so, um, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be witnesses. So to be witnesses is function is a function of the power of the Holy Spirit. He empowers us to be witnesses. And speaking in tongues and all of that is part of the whole dynamic of that. And you know what? For me, speaking in tongues, it's not something kooky or weird. or It's just like, you know how I said um, God gave me a picture or a, 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 a scenario where I could trust for my finances? Speaking in tongues always reminds me of the, of the fact that's the scenario that reminds me of God's power. You know, talking in tongues, there it is. It's God's power, the supernatural realm. I'm there. I'm in it. I can walk in that supernatural uh, thing. Like like Gabrielle this morning, she felt that she had prayed. That's, that's all that is. It's, it's walking in that supernatural unction of the Holy Spirit. So, faith without works is dead. Works without faith is dead. You can't, you can't, you know, you're working to try and get a, become a Christian. It's not going to work. If you're just living in grace and not working, your faith is dead because your faith has to be, you know, it's like you're a Ferrari in a garage, not doing anything. Ferrari's meant to be out on the street, you know, turning the engine on and, and going around a racetrack. 
know, too many Christians are sitting in the garage doing nothing. Got this empowerment of the Holy Ghost. Look at me. I'm empowered. Yeah, but what are you doing? Oh, I just turn it, turn it on idle every now and again. I go to the prayer meetings. I do this. I do that. And it's like, that's it. Go to church on Sunday. I'm an idling sort of Ferrari. God doesn't want you to be an idling Ferrari. He wants you to be an empowered Christian so that your faith is doing something. Now, here's the, here's the thing. You are not saved simply from hell. You are saved for the kingdom. You're not saved from, you're saved for. So we need to get our head around the fact that I'm saved to be somebody on this earth. I'm saved to be an influencer, you know? And I'm not talking about... God, influencing people. And you know what? I've got to say this morning, this is, I've been really thinking about this lately, and it's funny, I only get to ask, I only get to ask to preach when I've been thinking about things, so I need to stop thinking about things. <laughs> I have been thinking about just the, the, the witness, the, the expression, if you like, of Christian or religious people on this earth and and you know what a lot of times when I think about it I get really really like disappointed I mean I, I look at the whole Muslim thing how their expression of their Christian spirituality is like so fervent and so unnatural and so like we have to kill people so that we can it's usurp and establish our utopic religion expression and there's like Jews in, in Jerusalem who wear wigs hats and these wigs and curlings and people are wailing at a wall and I'm thinking my god religion is killing the world it's like it's killing the world and, and Christians I've got to say Christians sometimes don't do much better like we get into Christianese. We talk, hey, brother, how are you going? Oh, by faith, I'm good. How you, you know, like, be honest. How, how are you going? I'm, I'm struggling. But by faith, I'm, I'm believing I'm going to get through it. Instead of always like, yeah, I'm great. I'm awesome. Like, we need to be down. Abraham was down to earth when God came to him and said, you're going to be the father of many nations. He said, I can't have babies. My wife, have you seen her? It's like, she's old. I'm old. It's like. And yet, the Bible says in, in Hebrews, yet, in spite of that, Abraham believed. So he did believe in the end. He, well, he believed the story. He trusted the story, believed God. But he, he articulated the truth. I want, you to be, I want us to be Christians who are able to articulate the, the facts, the truth. Not live by the facts. Not live by them. It's not like the facts that rule you. That's the facts. But here's God's truth. That's the situation, but here's my belief. This is where my belief's at. And you know what? That is more realistic and natural than being someone who, oh, no, brother, I'm not sick. I'm not, I'm not blind. I can see really well. God's healed me. You know, we've got to be. And, 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 and I've got to say, and I've said this before, it really, really grieves me, the fact that when, the, when, when 
when COVID was going on, we were in lockdown. We couldn't go to church. Oh, my God. The church thought that they were more important than entertainers were earning their money from entertaining people. We thought we have to be, we have to have it. We have to be in church. How dare you hold, lock us out of church? Well, I'm not earning my money from it, but there's poor entertainers who've lost thousands and thousands. They've lost their income and they can't work. Yet we, we should be working more than they should be. It's like all of this stuff came up and I'm thinking, how dare, how dare the government? This is what people, how dare the government? I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. It's like Jesus is going across and say, I don't deserve this. I, I, was, I, I, was, I was innocent. I didn't deserve to be hung on a cross. How, can I, how dare the people do this to me? He actually went through it for you. Now, if I'm not wrong, we're called to be, sorry, Christ-like. And we're, we're called to be, to make sacrifices. The greatest thing that we could have done as church is not begrudge being locked out of church. Embrace it. Embrace the fact that we're connecting on Zoom, but embrace the fact that there's people in our neighborhood who are lonely now. There's people around us who need connection, who, if we can, we can call in and say, how are you going, all that sort of thing. But we were more focused on, you know, how dare, how dare, how dare. It's just not, it's not the, the time of the church. Like one of the greatest moments of the church was there for us to do something powerful. And yet we were bickering about being told to lock down. It's like, come on, this is just... Ridiculous. Anyway, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Probably from my angst. Okay, um, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of works. It's not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man can boast. So Jesus on the cross. Okay, that's grace. We come to the cross. We come to salvation through the cross. What good is it, my brothers? This is in James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they needed for the body, what is that? What good is that? So also by faith itself, it does not have works, is dead. If it does not have works, it is dead. In other words, we need to be people who see. You know, you know how Jesus has for him who has ears to hear? I mean, everybody's got ears, but he's saying, no, no, no. You've got to have ears that actually hear. And it's the same in the spirit. You've got to have eyes that actually see and discern. So we're called to be people who discern things. Not everyone's going to tell you their situation, but as we're spending time with God and as we're looking at I can see someone walk into church and think, I know something about this person that God's just shared with me and I need to address something like help them or do something and that's what seeing in the spirit's all about and that's what being people of works is all about but let me also encourage you that as we give and as we become generous don't be a person in a church who starts to um, sponge on the generosity of other people because that's just as bad that's the other way you know what I'm saying like the saints that can, can often be manipulated don't manipulate people you know, be, be you try and be generous. Best way for you to get your needs is to try and be generous yourself rather than just expect everything to fall in your lap all the time. All right.
James chapter 2, verse 26. For as the, as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Faith without works is dead. There's no, there's no live dynamic faith if you're not actually doing something with it. Faith and works go together, hand in hand. So the cross is not just one-sided. It's got that duplicity of like, well, it's got a whole lot of things. But that coming to the, the cross, salvation, and going from the cross, empowered to do works. And you know what? Works is, is I find in my life, because that's one of the things I was struggling with for quite a while. As a pastor, when I was pastoring a church, I would try to do all sorts of things to get people born again. As a church. Let's do this. Let's run this. Let's do this program. Let's do this. And it's like I'd go through years, 15 years of doing stuff. And then I just thought, <laughs> we tried that, we tried that, we tried that, we did this, we did that, we did that. Um, we disciple people. We have house churches. We have this. We, you know, it's like everything you do is like trying to, you know, build, this is going to be the thing. This is going to be the answer. This is gonna... And then when you sort of start to relax in that, it's like the fishermen. They've been fishing all night. They hadn't caught any fish. And then Jesus comes along and says, oh, throw your nets on the other side. Well, as a pastor, you get people coming into the church and, hey, hey we, should, we should run a soup kitchen. Or we should do this. It's like, oh, I've tried it. I've tried everything. I've done it all. And you know what? For me, for me, and you know what? There's, there's times I say, okay, let's try it. Let's try it. But I've discovered that all of those things aren't the answer. Unless, unless the Lord builds his church, we labor in vain. And I've discovered something. I'm not, a, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a conf- confrontational evangelist. I don't, I don't like getting in people's faces. Do you know Jesus? I, that just irks me no end. If you do, and that's you, God bless you. You go for it. That's just not me. I'm not. I'm not one. I'm not one to be down the river stopping people. Forgive me. Like I know we want. There's people who want to do that. And God bless you. Honestly, God bless you. God bless you, Dave. You're a better man than me. But I can't. I can't bring myself to stop people from their nightly walk that they've decided to, to get out and, and do. And in between their, their their dinner and their going home to their family or whatever. I don't want to stop them from doing what they want to do, their exercise or something, and confront them about Jesus. Now, it works for some people. It doesn't work for me. And what I've discovered is that the type of works that God will, um, that will resonate with you will be the things that resonate with your personality. You don't have to do everything the church says that we're going to do. Does that make sense? You don't have to do it. That's why we're a body. We're a body so that there's some people who have got, you know, hands that waving like there's other people that sort of, like there's, other, there's a whole lot of different personalities. But the point is, whatever resonates with your personality and not your fears, because your fears can stop you from doing that which you should be doing, Okay. But whatever resonates with your personality, whatever style of approach it, it is for you to do works, that will be the style that God asks you and draws you to be doing. As long as you're taking a step of faith and saying, God, I'm prepared to do this. 
I'm prepared to go to the bank and take money out. You help me with the next step. I'm prepared to do this, Lord. I'm prepared to invite that person home to my place for dinner. I'm prepared to do, go for a cup of coffee with this person. You know what? I'm more into I'm more into relational evangelism. I have people at work that I'm influencing because because I'm connected with them and they like me and they like my you know I'm. I try to be. I definitely try to be bright. You know how I'm often naughty in church. No, I'm never naughty. But you know, what? I def, I do that purposely because I I, I want to be. I'm 61. I want to be an old man who's who's happy, joyful, not a grumpy old man. I don't want to be a grumpy old man. My my grandkids are at my house right now, messing up my home. Someone rerouted my cables in my computer room and t- shut my server down. Am I worried? No. No. That's the cost of having my, my family around. That's more important for me to have my family around and tread on a few Lego bits, which could kill me. Seriously, I could, it could kill me. Than, than being grumpy. You know what I'm saying? So... Try and be a someone that is joyful in, in setting about doing that which God wants you to do. And take a step of faith. Just a little step. Exactly. Exactly. It's do something that's suitable for where you're at. You know? Years ago, I'd be doing, doing different things. And you know what? I'm not pastoring now because the window of the, my emotional quotient for pastoring is gone. Someone else would need to do it because... It takes a lot of emotion out of a person's life to do that job. And I just had, I, I got to the point where I, I can't do this anymore. But I can, I can preach. I can, I can do a lot of things. I can disciple. But pastoring the whole church, a small church, I've got to tell you something, all snaps to Nick. A small church, she's done the right thing by gathering some people like Paul and Jen around her. Paul's great with finances. But I was doing all of the, you know, doing the bookkeeping, setting it all up, um, doing all of the setting up the, all the stuff you have to do with the, the government to set up a incorporated association, going to the real estates to, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And then when you've got to fill out your reports for child protection and all that, it's just oh, draining the energy out of me. But I hate the fact that we have to, in a church, that we have to do this, but we do. Anyway, so for as a body, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith. Okay, we talked about that. Truly, truly, John chapter 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also, in me, will also do the works that I do. We've never really focused on this sort of thing, have we? We never really talk about the works that much. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Jesus believes, Jesus believers will be doing mighty works. You know that? You can expect to be doing mighty works. How do they look? doesn't matter how they look. They will look unique to you. The mighty works that you do will be the mighty works that you do. Not the mighty works that someone else does. And that's our problem sometimes. We stereotype mighty works. Oh, look at Reinhard Bonnke. That's what 
That's what we've got to do. No, it's not. No, it's not. Just little things, little things that people can do. Widows have done amazing things in the scriptures. Um, a prostitute saved some spies by hiding them and then lowering them out. She, that was a mighty thing that she did. Like there's things that we, I'm not saying anyone here is like, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Wherever you are at, whoever you are, whatever age, there's unique things that you can do. Some of us love praying. Others love talking. Others love doing different things. You know, like I love entertaining people. But here's, here's the point. If entertainment is for the sake of entertainment, that's, that's all it is. But if entertainment is for the sake of connection, there's a, there's a next step, connection. And if that connection is for the sake of uh, inspiring someone towards God, that's the next step. And if inspiring someone towards God is getting to then into the point where they can become a born-again believer, that's the next step. See, those steps for me, they're easy. They're easy little steps. And they, they take time. But how good are they? Love is the motivation for rescue. Grace through faith equals salvation. Grace through works equals empowerment. Faith without works is stuck at the crucifixion. <laughs> faith without works is stuck at the cross. I've been in churches where, well, I've heard of situations. No, I've been in situations where I've heard someone call out when someone was preaching. Back to the cross! It's like, get your preaching back to the cross. It's like, sounds very holy, doesn't it? Get back to the cross. But you know what? The cross is the starting point. It's only the starting point. The rest of our whole life is, is, is dependent upon what comes after the cross. It, it's dependent upon the resurrection power. It's dependent on the dunamis, the, the Holy Spirit that comes upon you like in your Pentecost experience. All of that empowerment is for you to be able to do the works of Christianity. And those works of Christianity are nothing to do with you getting saved and back at the cross. It's all to do with getting other people saved. So when we're saying get back to the cross, we're almost saying get back to yourself. Get back to where you started. You know what I'm saying? Don't don't get me wrong. The cross is central to that whole belief. But we need to move away from that to others. Because the cross is where you start. And it's where we need to get other people to but we're not going to be there. We're going to be on the, on the other side of the cross to get them to come to the cross. Anyway, the flesh hates work, does it? Does the flesh hate work? It does. My flesh does. We are called to work in the spirit. Everyone is guilty of citing excuses for getting out of work. The best spirituality, best spiritually correct answer for this ailment. So if you have an ailment of having excuses, who... Who tends to, don't don't put your hand up, but, you know, we tend to get excuses for not doing stuff, you know, and and I'm not talking about like what what Dave does, I I love the fact that Dave does what he does, I have an excuse that I, that's just not me, I'm not that, but if I let that excuse stop me from doing anything, then I'm, I'm just living in excuse zone, I need to have, I need to have an answer for what I for my life. That's the one thing, by the way, that Jesus says you're going to have to answer for. Your life after being a Christian. Your works. Your works. Isn't that, that's such a scary, 
Because we don't talk about works much. Because it's like, oh, we, don't get, we don't get saved by works. No, we don't. But our whole Christian landscape is based on works. And the works that God's going to judge us on is the works that are eternal. It's true. It's true. So, best answer. The best answer for having, you know, the ailment of excuses is, this is the best answer? Stop. That's the best answer. Stop it. Stop excusing yourself. Cut it out. It's like, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy. It'll come to me halfway through. This guy was uh, a uh, counsellor. And this woman came in and she's going on about all of this stuff. I really should have listened to this before, but he's, he's going on and she's going on and she's going on. Anyway, in the end, he says, I have an answer. <laughs> she said, what, what, what? Stop. <laughs> because she was just living in a world of anxiety. And she said, just stop, stop. These things may never happen. And uh, that's true. We need to stop living in anxiousness, stop living in fear of not being able to perform. If you don't do something because you fear you won't perform, you've achieved your, your goal. You haven't performed. You haven't done it. You haven't done a thing. So pray every day for opportunities to see the needs of others. Say hello to people and see if this forms a connection. Uh, people are already so lonely in Sydney. Be interested in people in your neighbourhood, your school, university, mum's group. Family and workplace, identify a need that either you or your connect group could uh, fulfill. Listen to people. Ask some questions. Here's a, this is a very interesting. Just, I'll give you a challenge this week. Um, when you have a conversation with someone, see if that person that you're talking to or you ask them a question. Because you'll find that many people don't ask questions about the other person. I might say to George, oh, George, how are you doing? He'll go, okay, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, I'm this, I'm this. Oh, okay, well, I hope, hope you, know, you get it sorted out and whatever, and we walk away. George never said to me, how am I doing? But that's the, that's the case a lot in, in our world. People only like think about one side of, of themselves a little bit, you know. Um, and it's true. For you to actually be an influencer, you've actually got to care about people. Not just show people who you are, but see where people are at and ask them, how are you? How are you, darling? How are you? So I'm good at asking questions. I've been a pastor for 15 years. I've asked a lot of questions over the years. And it's, for me, it's natural. I ask questions, and um, I can encourage people easily. I love encouraging people. But there's other things you can do. You're on, a, you're on a journey. What's your journey at the moment, right now? What's your biggest journey? You're on a prayer journey? What else? What's a personal lifestyle thing? Sorry? Being a grandmother? Okay, so you can connect with people in, you know, at playgrounds if you take your kids to playgrounds. Also, some, some of us are exercising, going to exercise groups. Some of us are going to dieting. We, we might be connecting with people about, about that sort of thing. Some of us might ride bicycles or 
motorbikes or go swimming or go do different things. I love the hand there. Magic. How good is that? But, you know, you, different hobbies, different things. But you don't have to do... You don't have to always do things with Christians, by the way. Doing things with non-Christians is a good thing. Good thing. And you'll find it's much easier to include someone in a group in a scenario that, where there's not, no other Christians involved. Because when a lot of Christians are involved, you tend to talk about Christian things and in Christian ways, Christianese. You know? So Dave, Dave goes into... You still work with people in jails? How good's that? That's part of his work. But what a great opportunity for ministry. How good is that? So, okay. What? For you, what's the biggest journey? Oh. Back into your red pants. Are we going to see them anytime soon? A couple of weeks, so they're not quite so hard to get on. Wow. Okay. Your challenge. Your challenge is to wear your red pants to church. Amen. So be an encourager. Pay someone a compliment. Maybe look after the office to child minds and kids. Connect people, cook meals, whatever you do, enjoy, enjoy. Okay. Why do people get stuck? Because they're comfort, comfortable. We're creatures of comfort, aren't we? We are. Fear. I was scared. I was scared that that guy didn't, didn't need my money. Honestly, I was Fear of the fear of embarrassment. What if he gives it back to me? He says, "Give this to someone who needs it." Could have happened. Could have. Intimidation, condemnation, unworthiness—all of these things. And you know what? That's all the devil has to do to quench the kingdom of God is to bring condemnation on individuals, and then you stop doing that which you've been called to do. You stop doing works because you feel afraid, intimidated, fearful, condemned. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. You're not condemned. If you feel condemned, you know who's doing it. And you need to break free from that. You need to say, God, give me a, a picture, give me a handle. I'll call it a handle. Give me a handle that can get me past the place of feeling condemned. And he will. He'll give you a little thing. Like I had a little thing, he'll give you something. You know, when you pray, it doesn't always have to be highfalutin. It can be, God, just help me with this little thing. And those prayers can, can help the kingdom more than other highfalutin prayers some, sometimes. Like if, if every single Christian was free from condemnation, imagine the world. Imagine the kingdom of God. Because people would be doing good works, expanding the kingdom, walking in the power that God's put placed on them, and achieving great things, great results for the kingdom of God. All, all Satan has to do is take take us out, individual, one place, sniper. Oh, I feel I feel unworthy. I can't. I just sin. 
Who goes there? I just said. Join the club. Join the club. We all sin. But you know when David said the other the other day when 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 um, Nick said who's holy, Dave said I'm holy. He's, he's true. It's true. We're all holy in Christ. We're all holy in Christ. We're all righteous in Christ. Sanctification washes those sins away. It doesn't cover them. My sins aren't really under the blood. They're not there. They're washed. That's what the scriptures say. They're washed away. So when we sing, oh, under the blood, cover it, cover it. No, they're not. I don't, want I don't want sin under the blood. I want sin washed in the blood. And that gives me the confidence that I can walk and live in the righteousness of God. And I don't have to succumb to condemnation. Amen. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning, anybody who still feels disconnected or hasn't really ever connected with God or you have connected with God, but you know what? You've sort of drifted away and you feel somewhat condemned or you feel unworthy. You feel like you're suffering from your past and you can't, you haven't really embraced your future. If that's you this morning, I'm going to pray for you and I would love you just as a sign to me so that I can see you. I'd love you to raise your hand. Let me see your hand so that I know who to pray for. Right now, I'm not going to wait too long, but I want to pray for people who really want to connect with their future. Don't be a product of your past. Don't be a victim of your past. Be a product of your future in Christ Jesus. Is that you this morning? Okay, Father, let's all stand. Can I have the musos come back, please? We're going we're gonna to leave this uh, service with one song. I speak, I speak courage over every single person in this church. I speak, I speak, um, what's the word? I speak a pioneering spirit into every single one of you to be able to start inquiring about the little things that you can do that resonate with your spirit that God can put his anointing on. The things that can really, you can enjoy doing and achieving in the kingdom of God. Now, they don't have to look like the way I see it. And right now, you may not even think, see anything. You don't know what anything looks like. But I pray that you're going to start to get pictures, still shots, impressions, impartations in the spirit of little things that you can step into that can really help you to be a Christian who walks.